0: stand and turn in your bible to john chapter number 21 john chapter number 21 we're going to ask the lord to help us help us today how many y'all believe god loves you how many y'all believe god loves you that wasn't good enough amen amen Amen. now the question is not does god love us it's obvious that he does brother kendrick could you get that door right over there buddy uh he showed how much He loves us by sending His Son. God's Son showed how much He loved us by dying on the cross. But God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't believe there's any question at all in nobody's mind that God loves us. But the question is do we love Him? Do we love Him? Look in John chapter 21 in verse number 15. This is a story most of you are familiar with. Peter and some of the disciples after the resurrection had gone back to fishing. They'd gone back to their old way. They'd gone back to what they used to do. And, and sometimes when, you, when you're confused and, 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 and maybe after you slip up as a Christian, it's very easy to go back to what you're familiar with. And, and Jesus has confronted them. We know that they've already caught the fish. They are here at the shore. Uh, I'm glad Jesus is merciful. How many of y'all are glad of that? Instead of chewing them out, instead of, instead of saying, look, I done called you to be fishers of men. What are You you ain't got no business being out on this water? No, no. He let, he let what was going to naturally take place, and that is if you're a Christian, you can't go back to the old way and be successful. And he let that take place, and we know he fed them, gave them uh, 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 food there, let them warmed up, but now he is talking to Peter. Peter is one of the main characters in the New Testament, one of the two major characters in the book of Acts in the early church, in the building of the early church, and he was one of the, the main people Jesus invested his life in. We know there were 12, but we know there was an inner three, Peter, James, and John. And Peter was one of the main ones, but Peter had some issues. How many of y'all can relate to Peter? Uh, yeah, I can. Amen. Uh, and now, before the very last chapter, before the book of Acts, before Peter steps out on his worldwide campaign, before listen, Peter steps out to do what God has called him to do, there are some things that Jesus has to get in order. The Bible says in Uh, John 21, 15. Are you there? Say amen. Amen. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. The word feed there is a different word than the first one we read. It means to shepherd. It means to shepherd, to pasture, to shepherd. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Literally, the word means feed. In other words, he had a responsibility to lead and feed, to shepherd the flock, and feed them. Then it says in verse 18, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee, whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? In other words, he saw John, the apostle John there, and after Jesus told him about his life, Jesus told Peter how he was going to die and how he was going to end his life, he turns around and looks at John and said, what about him? What about him? Isn't that what we are all prone to do sometimes? It's not about me, well, what what about that one? This is what Jesus said. If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Don't worry about him. You do what I told you to do. Church, say amen. amen. Father, bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Here at Temple, this is this is a brand new year. We've got we've got a lot of new people, and and I want to I want to take for a little while in the beginning of the year and share, and encourage, and inform, and let everybody know what we do here. It's very simple. We love God, we love others, and we serve both. Say that with me. We love God. Love others serve say it again. Love God. Love others serve you say, where are you getting that from? Uh Jesus was asked, Jesus was asked, uh, uh, trying to trip him up, trying to uh, find ways to trick the Lord, and, and one of the lawyers asked him a question in, in Matthew twenty two thirty five. They were tempted him to say, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? In other words, what is the greatest one? If you're going to do any of them, what's the number one, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. This is, watch how he words this, this is the first and great commandment. The word first there means priority. This is the number one priority. This is the most important thing that you can do. It's to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. If you mess anything up in your Christian life, That does not need to be one of them. The most important thing you can ever do besides preaching, the most important thing is not teaching, it's not preaching, it's not singing, it's not soul winning. The most important, number one priority, the very most important thing you can do is love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Number one, Jesus said first and great. I mean, he even added it. They only asked for the great. Listen, he said it's not only the biggest it is the most important. It's number one. And before Peter could step out on his worldwide campaign, and, and before Peter could go out and do what God had called him to do, God had called him to be a fisher of men, before Peter could step out and start the early church and be a great pillar of the faith in the early church, Jesus had to get some things squared away with Peter. It's almost like a last-minute interview before the job is being given out and in this interview the first question that's asked is not are you ready to preach boy the question is not do you have all the scriptures down pat the question is not "Is not, do you have your hymnal do you have your old red book in your pocket no the first question is this Peter do you love me do you love me why because everything you do in your life will be centered around that fact. Do you love him? He said, "Preacher, what are you talking about? You see, they've had this conversation before. They've had this conversation, maybe not in that detail, but they did have this conversation before. Eric, there was a time when, when Peter said, I'll lay my life down for you. I'll die for you. I love you so much. That was right before he denied him three times. Preacher, what what are you saying today? Number one, before we start this year out, before we kick off this brand new year, and it's exciting, I'm telling you, I'm fired up about it. I believe God has got our church lined out in such a way we're going to grow like never before. We're going to see things that, that, listen, we never imagined God is going to bless in an incredible way. But before we start this year, we need to do, number one, there's a question we must answer. There is a question we must answer. Peter, before you strike out, son, Peter, before I leave and get out of here, before I send the Holy Spirit to come into you and fill you with power from on high, I've got to know something. Peter, do you love me? What about that do we need to answer? Eh? We need to answer the reality of our love. Do we really love Jesus? You say, preacher, why are you saying that? Because like I said... Peter and Christ have already had this conversation. Peter had already declared his allegiance and his commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter had already said, I will die for you. Everybody else will run out on you, but I'm not going anywhere. I will lay down my life for you. And as soon as he said that, Jesus said, oh, really? You'll lay down your life for me? He said, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. It's awful quiet, but I'm going somewhere. Here's the point. Peter got to a place in his life, he was very confused. He is standing in the garden. He is welding a sword. He is ready to die for the Lord. I mean, everybody's run off, but not Peter. He's standing there, and he's ready. And when the first one got to him, he cuts his ear off. And Jesus reaches down. Thank God, are they to kill Peter on the spot. Jesus reached down, picks up the ear, places it back on the servant's head, and said, Peter, put your sword up, son. They that live by the sword will die by the sword. And Peter's saying, dude, I just defended you. I mean, I'm I'm willing to give my life. I'm here, and I'm facing all these by myself, and you're going to chew me out? And he stands there, and the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, who spoke peace on a stormy sea, who turned blind eyes into sea and eyes, who turned lame legs into walking legs, who turned water into wine, he's being led off in shackles. Peter's saying, what's going on? You're supposed to be a king. I'm supposed to rule and reign with you. What is happening you ever been there? Jesus, I gave my life to you. I, I'm going to church and everything. I even pay my tithes every now and then. I have a faithful attendance pin, and your kid gets stupid on you. You go to the doctor and you get a bad report. Listen, you go to the job and you get a pink slip, and you're saying, "What's up, Lord?" I've given you everything. I'm going to church. This is, supposed to, this is not supposed to happen to your children. What is going on? He's saying, Peter, you going to love me even though you don't understand me? Peter, you declared your love to me, but that was right before. I did something you didn't understand, and you got totally confused, and you denied me three times. Are you going to do that again? Are you all with me this morning? See, it's easy to love Jesus when the bills are paid. It's easy to love Jesus when the doctor says, everything's negative, You're, you're healthy as a horse, go on home, everything's fine. But I tell you what, it's hard to love Jesus when that doctor comes back and says, I'm sorry. It's hard to love Jesus when the bills are rolling in and the money isn't. It's hard to love Jesus, listen, when the teenagers crush your heart by things they've done. Are you still going to love him then? Peter, do you love me? We need to answer that in our heart. Because I promise you, Jesus will always do it different than you think it ought to be done. Just when I finally think I know the answer, he changes the question. Because God wants us to live by faith and not by sight. Some of y'all have been here for the last couple of years and seen some of the changes God has led us to make and you're totally confused. But the question is, are you going to still love him? Are you still going to put him first and priority in your life? The reality of our love. I'm asking you this morning, before we start, before we go another week, before we take another step, before the new year begins, do you love Jesus? We need to answer this question, the reality of our love. But then then B. this is even more important. This is even more important. We need to answer this question, who's the recipient of our love? Because you're going to love something. God has put it a natural appetite, a natural uh, desire in every single human being to love and worship something. He put that in you so you would love and worship Him. But what happens is many times we put the wrong thing in that place. And a hobby becomes the recipient of our love. A person other than Christ becomes a recipient of our love. A job can become a recipient of our love and our worship. But you know what? Y'all ready? Hold your hands up Last right this This is the imaginary seatbelt. Click it. It's fixing to get a little tight. Do you know religion can become a recipient of our love? Did everybody click it, Did you get it in on, you know, like that, in the, on, the, on, the, on the airplane? Pull that baby tight? Mm-hmm. The Pharisees. The Pharisees were always in contention with the Lord. And especially at one point, when Jesus came riding in on his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, there were many young believers... And and the Word of God calls them children. I don't believe they were children as far as little bitty babes. I believe there were some of them, but I believe it was basically young believers. And they were crying, Hosanna to the King of Kings. He is the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I mean, they're worshiping the Lord. And he goes in, I mean, rides right on up to the temple. He walks, excuse me, he walks into the temple and turns the place inside out. He throws the money tables, listen, the money changers and the tables, he turns them upside down, runs them out and said, my table shall not be a house of merchandise, this is a house of prayer. Watch this. It says, and Jesus went into the temple of God, this is in Matthew 21, 12, and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And watch this, this is important. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he did what? He healed them. Is that a good thing? That is a great thing. Don't we need broken people to be able to come in here and get touched? Listen, don't we need broken families to come in here and be healed and brought back together? That's a great thing. He turned the church upside down, and then he started healing people. Watch this. Look at verse 15. Watch what the reaction was. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the, what kind of things? What kind? Wonderful. And the children crying in the temple, is that a good thing? That is a great thing. I would love for everybody in this building to be crying out and worshiping him and adoring him and loving him. That would be a great thing. But watch what happened. And saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were were angry. They were mad. Jesus messed up their party. How many of y'all, have ever, how many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, love is blind? Anybody ever heard that? Has anybody ever accused you of that? Honey, but he's as ugly as I have ever seen, honey. I mean, I mean, I mean daughter, come on now. I mean, he fell out the ugly tree and hit every branch. I mean, he'd make a freight train, take a dirt road. What do you see in him? Oh, but Paul, I love him. And they will treat, have you ever seen that that one person that treated the other person so bad and I could see it, you could see it, everybody could see it, but they couldn't see it? You know why? Love is. And you know, for some of us, that's a good thing, amen. (laughs) Yeah, me and Dave said, yeah, me and him, amen. Amen. They say you need to go into marriage with both eyes wide open, but when you get married, you need to shut one. (laughs) Is that true? But true love is blind. You don't see things. And the point I'm making is this, that those Pharisees were so in love with their tradition they were so in love with their religion. And when I say religion, I mean way of doing things. They were so enamored and in love with that when Jesus was standing right in front of them, they could not even see Him. They were totally blind to the King of kings and Lord of lords. You say, what does that have to do with us? Since you asked, Jesus has come into this building and turned everything upside down. He's changed things here. He has changed things there. He has changed things everywhere. And then he has started healing people. We are seeing people saved every single week. We are seeing families come and get help and encouragement. The facilitators in the small group meeting up there were crying, had tears dripping off their face because of what's been going on in their groups. I'm telling you, God's presence has been so real, yet we have people... I like old-time religion. Well, my favorite song is I'd Rather Be an Old-Time Christian. That's my favorite. I like it. All the world is bright since I got right now. Sing and pray. Yeah, that's me. I love that song. But you know what? Your old-time religion ain't real old. The church is over 2,000 years old, but your old-time religion is only about 200 years old. I told you it's going to get tight. That's why the seatbelt's on. Now you can't get out and get, old. get nowhere. Amen. <laughs> we sing a new song, and the young people get happy. Sing an old song, and the old people get happy. Can't we all get along? <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks ago. We sang an old song and a new song. I was going through the foyer. One of the persons said, Preacher, I just love them new songs. We just we need to do more of them new songs. I said, We're trying. We we're trying to learn some stuff. I went fifteen more steps. Somebody else caught me in the foyer. Preacher, I just love that old song you sung this morning. Yeah. We need to do more of them old songs. I love old songs. I think Fanny J. Crosby was an angel in disguise. I love Blessed Assurance. I love, hey, I think John Newton was dead on the market when he said, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. But let's be careful and say that if you don't sing Amazing Grace and Blessed Assurance every Sunday, that you're not right with God. Now, you need to shout a little better than that. I'm telling you the God's truth. Because most of your old-time religion, people are going say, no, I've never heard of that. They don't know who John Wesley was. They have no idea who Charles Haddon Spurgeon was. They don't know D.L. Moody. And when you say that if you're not singing this song this way, or if you're not doing it in this fashion or form, I had somebody... <laughs> People are saying we're all going to hell because we don't have Sunday school in the traditional format. Well, I I guess everybody before the early 1800s went to hell then because they didn't have Sunday school neither. And it's not that we don't have Sunday school. We just don't do it at 10 o'clock in the morning because we got too many people and two serves. We do it at 4.30 to 6. Instead of 30 or 40 minutes, we got them an hour and a half. I need a witness. but you know what, we've had people leave the church because it's not the way I come up with people are just bumping them down get to the altar to get saved but they can't even see it because they're so in love with tradition and religion I don't need anybody in love with religion I need somebody in love with Jesus Do you love Jesus? I mean, really, do you love Jesus? See, now we can keep growing. Now we can keep... see, Jesus knew all that. Do you love Jesus? And by the way, by the way, you remember that thing, Brother Travis, when... when All the other people can see things that's going on, but that one person, they don't see it, and they just hang with their spouse. Because they love them. And that's a good thing. And the thing is, if we love Jesus, I'm not going to care what nobody else says about me. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If I love Jesus and I love the Word, you can say all you want. You couldn't pry me out of the pew on Sunday morning. But when you when you leave, well, I was hurt. Well, you're loving the wrong person. Because, let's move along. Number two. The question we must answer this morning: Do we love Jesus? Not religion, not an old time way, the way. And I and please don't get me wrong. I love. The old time way. I do. But I'm not going to tell you you don't love Jesus if you don't. I've got tapes. I was listening to them this week. From back at my dad's church 10, 15, 20 years ago. I love it. I'm telling you, I love it. I can get, I'm getting knee deep in it and love it. But I tell you what, I can get knee deep and here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. I I can get knee deep into. Uh, uh, help me. I will praise him in this storm. Have, I got God buns thinking about it right now. And I'm not going to tell you you don't know Jesus if you don't know the old time way. The only thing you... Listen, there may be people, the only thing they've ever been exposed to was the new songs that are here today. Are y'all with me? Are y'all? Is anybody in the building? Number two. Before we start this year, we need to really get in our mind. Do we love Jesus? Do we love him? Then number two, he says, now if you do, I need you to feed my sheep. I need you to feed my lambs. I need you to feed my sheep. Three times he says the same thing. How many times did Peter deny him? How many times did he clarify what he needed him to do? Three times. Three times. What do we need to do, preacher? Number two, we need, there's a quest we must attempt. If you love Jesus this morning, then you need to get on the ball and do what God has called you to do. The Bible says that if we love him, we will keep his commandments. If you're taking notes, write these two things down. The quest we must attempt, we must fulfill his will and follow his way. He said, follow me. See, Peter had a divine purpose in his life, and that was to lead and and start, kick off the early church. He was there. He unlocked the door to the Jews in Acts chapter number 2 when he preached on the day of Pentecost. He went to the the, the Samaritans in Acts chapter number 8. He went to the Gentiles in Acts chapter number 10 when he went to Cornelius and basically made up the whole church then. Now it was everybody. It was not God didn't just love the Jews. He loved everybody. He loved Jews, Gentiles, Samaritans. Everybody's made up in one. We're no longer Jew or Gentile anymore. We are one in the body of Christ. And it was Peter's responsibility to lead and feed. It was his responsibility to shepherd the people of God. And the point of this is this. If you love Jesus Find out what it is that God wants you to do and get busy. Listen, if it's preaching, get to preaching. If it's teaching, get to teaching. If it's serving, get to serving. If it's singing, get to singing. Quit sitting on your backside. Quit sitting back and wait until everybody else does it. Take the initiative. Step forward and say, God, I am here. I am your servant. Tell me what to do. Let me go after it. I need a witness. Cause, listen, actions speak louder than Peter. Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, get back out of that boat. Quit your, put your nets for listen your fish nets up and get out there and do what I've already called you to do. There's a pile of you out there that needs to be up here. There's some of you out here that needs to be with that child development uh, program at 4.30. God has called you and you're sitting back doing nothing. He's telling me you love Jesus. Don't tell me that no more. Show me. Jesus is ordained. He's designed. Loving Him. Loving others. Serving both. Jesus is ordained and divinely set. Life groups here in this place. Yet you're sitting there telling me you love Jesus, but you won't get involved to love others. 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Well, I just don't believe in them life groups. And I mean this as humbly as I can. If you don't believe in them, then you need to go somewhere where you can get involved in a program that helps you be a disciple. Because this is the program we have. And I don't want to lose anybody. God knows I don't lose anybody, especially a tither. Say amen. That's carnal, preacher. It's a bad economy. What can I say? Amen. Dorgan's over there. Oh, God, preacher, go on. Go on. He's our treasure. He knows what it is. I don't want to lose anybody. But the thing is, if you're not going to get involved in the process that God has set up here, you're losing out. And you're missing the will of God for your life. And you're not helping us, and you're not helping yourself. And if you don't feel like this is the will of God, if you don't feel like this is the divine commission and the call that God has given Temple Baptist Church, you need to go somewhere where you can get involved. You're trying to run us off. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Please help me understand. I'm not. But I don't want you to go a whole nother year with your arms crossed and you not growing. Does that make sense? Well, Preacher, what are you really trying to say? That you need to come to this worship service and worship. When they're singing, I adore thee, don't sit there with your arms crossed looking out in his face. Sing, worship, love him. And if you're not in a small group, a live group, find one and get involved in it. Well, I was in one and it didn't work. Get in another one. You might not have fit in the first one. And then find what God has called you and gifted you to do and Get busy. Peter, do you love me? Well, yeah, I love you. Well, feed my sheep. Don't go fishing. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Well, feed my lambs. I've spent three years with you. Don't you get it? I've got a calling for your life. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. How many of y'all love Jesus? Raise your hand. You have no excuse. No excuse. Number three. Tony, you may have to come preach the second service. I may not make it out alive. Amen. What was number one? Everybody say it with me. Number one. Number two. Do y'all understand that? Does that make sense? All right, number three. Number three, the quarrel we must avoid. The quarrel we must avoid. He says, all right, Peter, I need to know if you love me. Peter, you need to get busy. Get to doing what I've told you to do. And then Jesus goes a step further, and he begins to describe the way that Peter's going to leave out of this world. Verse 18, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young... Thou girdest thyself, and walkest whether thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and and carry thee whether thou wouldest not. In other words, he's going to be incarcerated. He's going to be imprisoned, and, and eventually he'll be martyred for the faith. He would be crucified, and he said he wanted to be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be crucified like his Lord. And we know he went out a martyr, and Jesus told him that. But then he turns around and sees John sitting there, the apostle John. And he does like what most of us would do. Well, what about him? What are you going to do with him? And Jesus says, If I will that he lives forever, if I will that he don't die till I come, what's that to you? Now, he wasn't saying that, and even John said that. He was clarifying this. He didn't say he was going to live forever, that he didn't say he was going to stay alive. He was just saying, Look, whatever my will is for him, don't have no concern to you. You come and follow me. What was the quarrel? Hey, don't you look at the, the direction of his focus. We need to get our focus off of everybody else. Look. Brother Travis, what you got on is of no concern to me. It is of concern to your wife. But it is no concern to me. If you would have came in here with shorts and a t-shirt on, that's your business. Are you with me? Now, why can we, we say amen to that, but we don't believe it? Look here. Dave, you know who you need to worry about? Dave. If God tells you to wear a tie, wear a tie. If God don't, don't. But don't judge Ricky for not wearing one. Here's the problem most churches today. Everybody's focusing on everybody else. What is that person doing? What is that person wearing? What, 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 what ministry is that person in? And God says, none of that is any concern to you. Focus on you. The Bible says there are those that are weak. Paul was dealing with a, a crowd that some believed that you could eat meat and some believed it was ungodly to eat meat. Can you imagine which crowd would you be in, Brother Kenny? Meat. meat, amen. Meat. <laughs> <laughs> Paul said, those that eat herbs, I got it right. I finally got it right. I didn't say herbs, I said herbs. Do you notice that? And I said it right before I called myself, amen. amen. We're going to celebrate right after the service, Miss O'Neill, amen. They said, those that eat herbs, let them eat herbs. And those that eat meat? Hey, don't judge your brother. We have one judge. And we're all going to stand before him. And I have plenty enough I'm going to have to stand before him about to be worrying about what Brother Dave's doing. Ain't we having fun the first Sunday of the year? Jesus said, you worried about a moat in your brother's eye, and you got a beam in yours. Let me translate that, Alabama talk. You got a splinter in, in your neighbor's eye, while you got a two before in yours. Isn't it funny? Everybody wants to mow everybody else's grass. I'm going to avoid that this year. Brother Tony, if you stay biblical and do what you're supposed to do, I don't care how you do it at Fellowship. You can do anything but handle snakes, Bubba, and I'm with you. Their church is just a little different than ours. But I love it. I got to go up there for a revival and, and for a youth meeting, and that, I mean, it was out of the world. It was incredible. But they're not just like us. And some, and, and I'll be honest. Brother Tony, would you admit some, some of the folks there, if they just come down here, it shake them up a little bit? He's grabbing his heart right now. I mean, he's, oh, God. Help. But that's okay. That's okay. He loves Jesus and serving Jesus, and it, he might not do everything I do, but... Rock on, brother. Amen. I'm not going to judge him. And he's not going to judge me. All I care about is getting more people in the kingdom. And if we'll get our focus on every, off of everybody else and what God wants us to do, boy, what could God do in this place? Church, say amen. What we need to do... Before we start this year, there's a question we must answer. Do I love Jesus? I mean, do I love Jesus? Not religion, not a way of doing things, but do I love him? Even when he does things I don't understand, am I going to still love him? Even when he does things that hurt my feelings, am I going to still love him? And am I doing what God has called me to do? Have I taken that quest? Have I taken the steps to get involved in the calling and the commission for my life? And am I this year going to focus on me? Am I going to focus on my responsibility? Am I going to focus on what God has called me to do? Am I going to concentrate on being the best disciple that I can be? I guarantee you, if you do these three things, you'll have a year this year like never before. Never before. Church, say amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your mercy and your grace.